welcome to Tech Law Talks. I am Anthony Diana, a member of Reed Smith's Tech and Data Group. In each episode of this podcast, we will discuss cutting edge issues on technology, data, and the law. We will provide practical observations on a wide variety of technology and data topics to give you quick and actionable tips to address the issues you are dealing with every day. Hi, everyone. Welcome to our Tech Law Talks podcast. In today's episode, we will be joined by Amy Yin, a partner from our Shanghai office, to discuss this topic, what in the world is happening with data protection in China? It's good to speak with you, Amy, today. Could you start off by telling us a little bit about your practice? Sure. Thank you, Brian. Um, hi, everyone. It's really my pleasure to share with you about our data and privacy practice in China on our RISMIS platform. So our China team has been serving uh, multinational companies on all kinds of data and privacy issues for years. So from developing local privacy policies and compliance programs for clients, sub Chinese subsidiaries, and also their products and services offered to the Chinese market, and also working on tablet agreements, such as those with employees or data processors, advising on specific data transfer issues in the context of MAs or business restructurings, and also to dealing with urgent data incidents and advising on requirements for notifying like uh, regulators and all individuals. Oh, great. So maybe tell us a little bit more about the team in China and uh, the kind of clients and industries that you work with. Sure. So our team also has a very broad uh, experience in various industries and aspects where specific data and privacy requirements and standards may apply, such as uh, we call TMT in China. Uh, it means technology, media, and telecom industry, and e-commerce, automobile, healthcare, and or mobile applications. So we stay also very closely with those international organizations, such as IAPP, as well as the local legislators and think tanks in China to keep abreast of both the global and the local legal developments in the market. Oh, great. Okay, so speaking of the IAPP, at the recent IAPP Asia conference, and we had a lot of people there, Everyone, whether they're from Europe or the Americas or Africa, they all had questions about China. And the question we have today is what in the world is happening over in China? Can you give us a quick snapshot of what is happening there with data protection? Is this thing called the PIPL in full force? Yes, this is also the question we heard a lot from our client. So it's true that there are a lot happening here in China, especially following the full imp implementation of data security law, so in Chinese, and the personal information protection law, last year. So in a snapshot, the Chinese government has set a very high bar in the world in respect of data and privacy protection. So aiming to ensure the security of a certain critical data that may pose national security risks and also to protect the individual consumer's rights and interests against the misuse of technologies. 
So we also see uh, more and more enforcement campaigns uh, initiated by the government authorities. And a lot of these cases are imposed high penalties. So the data compliance is now playing a really important role, we would say, for business in China. And uh, all the business in China, they are putting this uh, data compliance as a priority in their internal compliance program. Okay, let's uh, remember about that point about the high penalties. We'll come back to that later. But if you had a crystal ball and you're gazing into what will happen in the next 12 months, what can we expect from China in data protection? Okay, so looking ahead, we expect that maybe more implementation rules on cross-border transfer such as cross-border transfer security assessment, certification, and the standard contract, that is China SCCs, will be released by the authorities. And more uh, industrial and sector data and privacy rules, especially in the industries such as auto driving, e-commerce platform, healthcare, um, will be published. And also enforcement campaigns will continue, uh, maybe with different focuses, for example, focusing on certain industries or uh, certain mobile applications or specific type of data or cyber activities. So besides, we also see litigation trends. We see more anti-competition litigations initiated by the Chinese companies to protect their business data. So the key issue here in these cases would be what is the legal boundary for use the data technology. So one should be very careful when applying algorithm or obtaining data through like web scraping activities. Okay, well that's that's quite a lot to kind of pack in. If I'm an MNC and you know I do business in China, is the PIPL something that's going to keep the general counsels and the DPOs up awake at night, something that they will lose sleep on? Okay, so we see that attention uh, should be paid to the data and the privacy laws regulations and also those non-binding national and industry standards in China, not only PIPL. We see that the biggest challenges are how to interpret and analyze the Chinese legal requirements in the context of business cases and how to deal with the local regulators. So if these are helped with, then there should be no nightmare. Okay, so that's good to hear, not to lose sleep over, but uh, something to kind of take note of. So if, if that's the case, what are some of the key kind of areas, the key things that GCs and uh, DPOs should uh, be taking note of? First, um, again, don't be scared about the Chinese legal requirements. So in this area, we would especially want to mention about cross-border transfer. So cross-border transfers and the data localization are two of the hardest topics in data privacy aspects currently, especially for multinational companies. So when transferring the personal information outside China, one of the following transfer mechanisms shall be followed. So the first one is mandatory security assessment, and the second is standard contract, China SEC, and the third one is certification. So in a nutshell, 
for those businesses that already meet the threshold under the newly released measures on mandatory security assessment. So that measure we call in Chinese 数据出境安全评估办法 which just became effective on September the first. So the clock is already ticking. And it shall be put as a priority within the company to get prepared for the mandatory security assessment. Then, for the others that have not met the threshold, they shall still pay special attention to the upcoming, like standard contract terms, and also the certification mechanism. Okay, thanks for those tips, Amy. I think、uh, certainly those three areas in itself would require a separate. Episode of this podcast, and if you're listening in, we will be discussing in further detail in our next episode on the three cross-border transfer mechanisms for personal information. So you're more than welcome to attend and to catch this particular talk, and we will look forward to sharing with you more about these issues with Amy. Back to、uh, the topic, Amy. So whether fairly or not, some people have drawn comparisons between the Chinese PIPL. And the European Union's GDPR. If you were to compare these two laws, one against each other, how would they compare? Yes. So it would be easier for someone who are familiar with EU GDPR to understand the PIPR. We call the privacy law in China. So, however, it need to be cautious because they are not the same in many ways, and the local. Customization is still required. So, for example, the PIPL in China does not recognize legitimate interest as a lawful basis、uh, for processing personal information, and also the PIPL does not clearly make difference on data controller and the data processor. So, all it mentions is about data handler, which is different from GDPR. And also, PIPR has a different legal mechanism for cross-border transfer as well. So, which we、uh, had a snapshot just now. Maybe we can discuss more in more details in the next episode. Okay, great. That's that. That's a good rundown of the similarities and differences between the two laws. Those familiar with the GDPR, that's a good base to work from. But、uh, there are still critical differences that you need to be aware of. Now going back to that topic that I said that we will come back to the enforcement decisions, the heavy penalties. So the one I'm referring to is the DD enforcement, and that's the one with I think like a 1.2 billion US dollar fine. Okay, that's a huge amount of money. What can we expect in terms of the enforcement of data protection laws in China going forward? What's your take on that, Amy? So. Yes, from this case, it's clear that、uh, the Chinese government is determined to impose high amount of penalties when it deems necessary, which can be as high as five percent of the annual revenue, according to the PIPL in China. This is even without counting the loss of revenue during the investigation period, and also the senior management of the company shall be cautious as well because they can be personally liable as well. Besides, how to deal with the government inquiry, how to deal with the investigation at the early stage with professional assistance by presenting the compliance efforts already made, 
and showing the willingness to rectify will be very critical to mitigate the exposure in our experience. Well, thank you, Amy Yim, for sharing with us her thoughts on what's happening in China data protection-wise. Uh, I want to thank everyone for listening in. We hope you have enjoyed this session. And thank you again, Amy. Please do tune in for our next episodes. Thank you. Thank you. Tech Law Talks is a Reed Smith production. Our producer is Ali McArdle. For more information about Reed Smith's tech and data practice, please email techlawtalks at reedsmith.com. You can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and reedsmith.com and our social media accounts at Reedsmith LLP on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. This podcast is provided for educational purposes. It does not constitute legal advice and is not intended to establish an attorney-client relationship, nor is it intended to suggest or establish standards of care applicable to particular lawyers in any given situation. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome. Any views, opinions, or comments made by any external guest speaker are not to be attributed to Reed Smith LLP or its individual lawyers. All rights reserved.